0: Welcome to The Well, I'm Anson Mount.
1: And I am Brandon Edgeens.
0: And today we're doing something we've never done before. We're going to re-air an earlier episode. This one I recorded back in 2020 and published just last year. Uh, It is our interview with Kenneth Mitchell. Uh, And we're doing this because Kenneth unfortunately passed away on the 24th of February. And... um, He was. He was. He'd been battling ALS for quite a long time. In fact, much of our interview was about that battle and how he fought to remain creative throughout it. Um, It's. It's a episode that's very close to my heart. Um, It's. um, I think Kenneth has a lot to say that many of our other guests have not been able to say because he's had insight he's seen um he's seen that light at the end of the tunnel and um now that that journey is complete um i'd I'd just like to say that kenneth was a friend good friend he was a um top professional and um a loving father and we're going to miss him greatly so without further ado we'll get into the episode thanks for listening
2: perseverance and overcoming challenges and um, adaptation and just being more comfortable with what's happening with me and knowing that there is still lots to achieve and experience.
0: Welcome to The Well. I'm Anson Mount.
1: And I am Brandon Edgins.
0: And Brandon, do you remember right before the pandemic, I was stupid enough to go on a cruise? Yeah. Right. Well, it was the Star Trek cruise, and I was very excited to attend, uh, not only to meet the fans, but one of the reasons I was there is I wanted to grab a couple of episodes for the podcast. And so I did a couple of live interviews. These will be our first live interviews for... The Well, in front of a live studio audience. Uh, And one of those people was an actor by the name of Kenneth Mitchell. And I've known Kenneth for a while. He's a friend. We worked on Star Trek Discovery together. But it's something that happened in Ken's personal life and how he chose to deal with that that made me want to talk to him about the creativity of, again, survival. This is going to be a recurring theme this season, I think. Mm. What happened is in 2017, Ken was diagnosed with ALS, Mm. which, as you can imagine, is a devastating piece of news, especially for someone who's married with two kids. But Mm. what Ken decided very shortly after this diagnosis is that he wasn't going to feel sorry for himself. And his way of doing that was to stay productive. He he wanted to keep working. And when Ken's friends and colleagues found out about his situation and how he wanted to to deal with it, they made sure the work would be there. And as the disease progressed, those roles were tailored for Ken to continue his work. And I just want to read you a a list of his most recent credits uh, since his diagnosis. Uh, Ken has appeared on The Detectives, c Nancy Drew, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Discovery and Captain Marvel. Wow. He has made it his mission to stay productive and lead by example for his children. Uh so I wanted to take the opportunity uh to sit down and talk to him not just about that but about him. And so again as I say this is a live uh recording so we're just going to go ahead and kick it off and let it roll. Mm-hmm. And See how it goes.
2: I've become quite a quite a driver in this thing. (laughs) How many different functions does this thing have? Mushas, shower,
0: (laughs) refrigerator. Wow. Well, thanks for joining us, man. You know, I, I, it occurred to me this morning when I was thinking about doing this interview. The first time, I, I, well, working together, I, like I was extremely <laughs> impressed with your ability to inhabit a Klingon, which is a, is a, it's a singular kind of talent. There's a, there's a feel to it that you know, y- you have to be extremely threatening and, <laughs> and extremely condescending. And he did that so well with me. Uh, but but then, you know, uh, when we were talking uh, during towards the end of, of that episode shoot, um, I always like to find out how people got into acting. <laughs> and Kenneth told me, well, I'm actually a landscape architect. <laughs> and I was like, what? And Because that's also, that's a field that has always fascinated me, because I think it's a real art form. And I guess I I just wondered, uh, why landscape architecture? How did you find your way into that?
2: Well, I, I went to a school for the arts, and I was always into visual arts. And when you're trying to decide what to apply for in university... I think my parents were trying to guide me towards something with a career rather than something that was a little bit more risque and just becoming an artist. So I started browsing the uh, catalogs on different careers and I uh, I, I stumbled upon landscape architecture and I thought, oh this looks like something that would marry my passions of biology and art. I thought, and this is also a legitimate career. (laughs) So um, I applied, it was was a pretty rigorous application, portfolio, and uh, at the University of Guelph, Ontario, Canada, Only 26 people get accepted every year, and 13 of them are mature students, people that already had degrees, and 13 people straight out of high high school, which would have been me. Um, And so when I got accepted, it was quite an honor, and um, I decided that's where I wanted to go. And it was a five-year program at the time, Um, And I spent a year of that program uh, on exchange in Australia, which was a wonderful experience. And then straight out of university, I was hired by one of my professors. I won the silver medal uh, ASLA award um, during my graduation, which was an incredible honor. Uh, Yeah, and upon, upon graduation... Um, I worked in this wonderful ecological uh, design company that had tons of different disciplines Um, and then it got to a point where I I met a girl she was an actress uh, at my summer camp she was the ceramics instructor and we fell in love Um, and through that I met her agent at an awards banquet I sat down at a table with him and chatted with him and I remember expressing to him that I always wanted to be an actor. And he said, well, if there's something you want to do, it's never too late. And I I thought it was. I I was 25 at the time and thought it was something that I I had already passed me, something you had to do when you're a kid. Um, But he's like, no, come on into my office and prepare two scenes. I had never prepared two scenes in my life. And uh, the first scene I prepared, you would think, you know, you'd pair some sort of monologue from Shakespeare or something. Um, but I, I, went, I wrote my first scene, and my other scene was from the film Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I look back on is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Let's say you go into some guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. Well, then I get a little excited. I'm like, JoJo, the idiot circus boy, and his pretty little pet. <laughs> oh, you're naughty. You're naughty. And I take my little pet and I go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't believe you still remember that
2: This. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh it's a great movie <laughs> And
2: then uh, Nor- Norbert Abrams God bless him He looks at me he goes What the fuck was that <laughs> I, don't know, I was like I don't know um, And he goes look Here's some sides What are sides And uh, he goes this is, It's an audition for another client of mine and he hands them to me. Um, go go outside for 10 minutes, prepare these to come back in. It was two pages. I never seen a script before, but I read it um, as quickly as I could. I tried to memorize as much as I could and understand the scene. I came back in and cold read it with him. And he said, you got something. He said there were a few transitions in the scene that were difficult. and you had instincts to, to nail them. And he, I don't know, he saw something in me and decided to take me on as a client and threw me in the deep end. And I, uh, I've been doing it ever since and I haven't had a, a, another
0: job since. Wow. And so what was, what was the first job you landed and how long did it take? It
2: was my very first audition. Really? For a national Adidas commercial. And it made a lot of money.
0: <laughs> were all of your uh were all of your actor friends like, motherfucker? I know. I know. Your first audition. My
2: first audition, yeah. I was good friends with Scott Speedman at the time and um and another friend of mine, Matthew Ferguson, who had done a, a bunch of stuff and I I remember that they were really supportive of me, and um, they were a little bit ahead of me as far as what they had achieved. But so it, it was important for me to have friends that that were that had already been in stuff, and, and um, I could say to myself, you know what? If they can do it, I, I can do it too. Yeah. And uh, they they continued to be. Uh, some of my best friends and and supportive of of me through everything. Yeah,
0: that's great. What's the what was the highlight so far
2: uh, of my career? Yeah.
0: I, I have to be
2: honest with you. Um, Star Trek. Yeah. 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 For for many reasons, and I if I start crying, it's. <clears throat> um there's just you know lots of uh, emotion in my belly and uh p- part of my illness is um extreme laughing and extreme crying it's a bit part of the symptoms <clears throat> and when my doctor told me that I said you mean like the joker <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, well, you know. <laughs> um, and then they said, well, they gave me a technique. It, if you are crying uncontrollably and you need to try to send yourself, start at 100 and try subtracting by sevens. It'll, it'll help. It, it's hard. Trust me. <laughs> and, um, and then I remembered one of my first acting coaches, gave me a a technique like if you ever want to play a psycho just stare straight ahead and do math in your head and the camera will pick it up and you'll just look like a whack job (laughs) and so if you guys see me crying looking like a whack job you know you know why
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, man. I, your love for this franchise and for this fan base and this family was evident the other night uh, at your party. Uh, if you weren't there, Kenneth Kenneth threw <laughs> the best Star Trek party. It was a rave. And uh, we all had the, the neon red House of Core markings on our faces. And uh, uh, at one point, we figured out how to get Kenneth crowd surfing, and, which is probably, looking back on it, not the best idea.
2: Well, I, but, I had
0: this vision. I
2: don't know why I had this vision, but I had this yeah, vision of, of, um, of crowd surfing in a sea of time crystals. So <laughs> um, my friends bought 400 glow stick time crystals. <laughs> they uh, brought them with them in a, in a duffel bag. And we handed them out. Um, yeah, I explained to the crowd my dream. And they er, they executed it with with passion. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing about it is we had the vision of doing it, but we forgot about how we were going to exit. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, I actually thought the same, you know, 10, 12 guys and girls were going to be holding me up and bringing me into the middle and the, surrounded by the time crystals and the energy from the crowd. But all of a sudden, I start feeling different hands on me. <laughs> and I was moving. <laughs> and I was in pure euphoria. I was elated.
0: You, you, uh, okay. And
2: the, the, my other buddy, Alistair, God bless him, he, he, he created... Um, a track and mixed in the theme song to discovery and so that was playing during this moment and uh yeah it was it was bananas it was it was pretty special
0: um i'll it's something i'll never forget yeah you yeah i could see you were just i've never seen a look of such euphoria on someone's face (laughs) it was just you and the lights man and and then when we got you up on the stage and then in that in a chair picked you up in the chair um it, it it hit me then that uh your t-shirt just had one word it said time with time. period what is that well it
2: it's in conjunction with the episode that we did um You chose your time, Crystal. You saw your future. It wasn't a great future. Um, I suppose I've seen a potential future. But Captain Pike, he chose service. He chose community. He chose the Federation. He chose something beyond himself. And... I uh I like to adhere to that. I think we all have jo- choice <laughs> no matter what the circumstances are. I choose I choose life. I choose science. I choose love and family and caring and and inclusiveness. And I I choose to live life to the fullest with my family and friends. Do I, like, psychotic right now? (laughs) Um, And and that extends to all of you, my Star Trek family. And uh, my brother here. Who's not my brother? Just 93, 80. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one of my best best friends, Parky, who just came up here and gave me a sip of water and and wiped my eyes. And- Wipes my butt three times a day. Oh, <laughs> poor fella.
0: And he's built like a brick shit house, I have to say. <laughs> he can pick you up and move you around anywhere he needs to. Um, so yeah, and I, I, you know, it was just right before this, this cruise that uh, you finally m- made the announcement about your diagnosis. And we'd known for a while. Um, when you describe it, to people how this disease uh, affects you uh, what do you what do you tell them yeah well just to clarify I, I
2: have ALS um, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis I was really proud of myself when I learned that uh, it's a neurodegenerative disease that affects your motor neurons they slowly are dying off um, yeah, I I describe it like you're you're slowly inside uh your body and it's just slowly breaking down. Um uh, which, you know, being a very physical person pre before that um was, was incre- is incredibly difficult. Um, you know, regardless, it's difficult for anyone. Um, but I'm finding that the more my body breaks down, the, the Greater my spirit
0: increases. Yeah, that's clear. It, it, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, and it seemed, you know, it seemed, obviously, it's particularly insidious for performing artists like us who our body is our instrument. So my, my big question I've been wanting to ask you, and I haven't gotten around to this, this whole cruise, is have you managed to remain creative? And if so, how are you doing that?
2: Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, part of it is I'm continue to act. Um, you know, uh, Alex Gruxman and his team have been incredibly supportive and they're keeping me going. Wow. Um, the, you know, a direct result of that was Tanavik. Uh, you know, when I, when I told them the news and I I told them that I wanted to keep going. They, you know, immediately said, "We got something for you," and uh, that was kind of the birth of Tanavik. Well, I actually they gave me another part, to be honest. And Tanavik was originally supposed to be played by Shahzad which made a lot of sense. Um, but, his beard got in the way. <laughs> he, uh, his other character had a beard, and when you do prosthetics, you, you have to shave your beard off. Um, the, the prosthetics won't stick. So, they, uh, he, he gave up that role and they offered it to me, and I mean, I'm so grateful for that. On, uh, on many levels. Um, Yeah, I've been able to work on a couple new projects since, one of them being Nancy Drew. Um, I've teamed up with Fink Empire. I've worked with them a few times on a a series called Astronaut Wives Club and a a pilot called Broad Squad. I I know, it's a terrible name, but... And it wasn't a comedy. and uh, th- they knew about where I was at, but they're like, we don't care. Um, we just want to keep it going. And I think what is special about that project is the character is, is quote-unquote normal. And um, the beauty of that uh project is that they just made it work they didn't um care about how much extra time it took or um you know the accommodations that they had to make they just um made it work and, um I think that's really special I think it also is uh A story that needs to be told because there are a a lot of people out there with um, disabilities that have talent, and uh, I think that they deserve a chance. Yeah. So if You know, if I can be an example of how it can work, then then great. I think that that was really special. Um, Another project I did was for a show called C, on Apple with Jason Momoa. My friends, uh, my Jericho producers, Dan Schatz and John Steinberg, were the showrunners, and uh, again, they just wanted to keep me going keep me inspired and keep me invigorated and they wrote me a part at the end of the season Uh, a bearded horse riding leather cloak with a machete on his back I mean it was (laughs) it was badass Um, they they clearly had faith in you (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, I, I did have a little bit more ability at the time uh, safe enough to get up on the horse and, and hold on and and whatnot. Uh, but it, it was also a really special project because the themes of the show, um, you know, they, they're, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but it's a dystopian future where everyone is born into blindness. Um, and, uh, so there are a lot of, blind people on the show, and one in particular, he's the consultant, his name is Joe, and uh, he was of sight until he was 17, and then, um, by the age, slowly, over time, by the age of 24, he was fully blind, and I think it was kind of serendipitous that we met each other, because, um, yeah, of... uh, what I was going through, and um, it just uh, it taught me a lot about perseverance and overcoming challenges and um, adaptation, and, um, and just being be, being more comfortable with what's happening with me and knowing that there is still lots to achieve and experience. That's great. Um, yeah, and so, unfortunately, I got a phone call. I had the most wonderful experience and it was an awesome character. And And then I got a phone call from from Dan. He said, I got some good news and bad news. And uh, I said, well, tell me the bad news he goes well they're reshooting the last four episodes of the show it has nothing to do with you um they just were creatively going in a different direction and you know therefore your character is not gonna exist and yeah it but it was a reminder to me that it's about the journey and and the experience and not about the end product and I got so much out of doing that show that it actually didn't bother me. But what's the good news? And uh, he goes, "Well, we just got a new show um, uh, for FX Hulu called The Old Man, and uh, we were writing you apart part, and uh, it stars Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow."
0: Oh, wow!
2: Wow! Yeah. And. Uh, I assume you shot that. I've I've started shooting it, so I've uh, you know a reoccurring part, and they wrote the part with me in this in this chair, um, uh, FBI agent in charge of operations, working with John
0: Lithgow's character. Wow. Yeah. And what's it like? To, what's it like to work with those guys? They are, I mean, titans. Yeah. Uh,
2: I. I Respect them dearly and they're everything you can imagine them to be. They're fun, intelligent and full of stories um, and super supportive of what's going on. So I'm grateful and beyond blessed to have that experience. Um, That's still ongoing. Um, And it was just really liberating to be in my chair and play a character where I wasn't hiding anything i was could just be myself and expose whatever ailments we're having and uh that that was a beautiful
0: beautiful experience that's fantastic yeah um wow you've been busy <laughs> yeah. I, I see these guys following you around with cameras a lot too is what's going on with that well um
2: i don't know i i I think there is um, a documentary, perhaps that might unfold. Um, you know, there's a, a story obviously to tell, and I think it's uh, one an important one to tell. And um, you know, what better place to help tell that story than than amongst the Star Trek family? Yeah. And when did they start? Uh, when did they start shooting? They started
0: shooting at the rave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so there's going to be somewhere at the beginning of this documentary a shot of me pouring a corona into your mouth alright <laughs> I was so parched
2: I I was just dying for some water or an ice cube and I bump into answer it on the dance floor and I see he has a corona and I'm like Pour it in my mouth, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> and then I get closer. Pour it in my mouth. <laughs> I was like, "All
0: right, <laughs>
2: you're gonna get the whole thing." <laughs> yeah, I have been waterboarded by Anson Mao
1: with a crowbar.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you, you'd you'd mentioned that uh, you know. Trek has been the highlight for a lot of reasons, and I'm wondering why. Ten? Yeah, okay. And I'm wondering, you know, obviously it, the, there's the um, the family of it all. There's the technical side of it all, which is just enormous, and the history of the show. But but what is it about it philosophically uh, that has? What is what is Trek? I don't I don't know what does it do on a to us for us as a as a species or I'm not asking this question right but what what is it what well
2: it do? I, I it, it's an interesting thing that's happening with me right now and I've mentioned these words before but it's not lost on me that We have a show that revolves around these themes of of science and discovery and hope and um, inclusiveness and 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 here I am living that right now, um and it it just the connection is everything. Yeah. 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 And and then uh, I think another special thing for me is sharing that with my family. Um, they had never seen an episode of Star Trek before. I got cast and now, you know, my son's at home wielding a bat lift. <laughs> and, you know, my, my daughter it takes pride in wearing her Star Trek dresses. Um, you know, and my wife puts up with me, um, no, but she is, she feels the love. I, I, I really wish she was here right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes working on Shrek, more than any other thing I've ever worked on, I, sometimes I like to think of our episodes as different little love letters to humanity. I know. And it's, it's a, it is a singular blessing to get to be a part of that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, so what's next? For me? Yeah. Today? Today, or where are you going after you get off of this boat?
2: I will, um, I will go back home and uh, squeeze my family.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I don't think that there's a better next thing yeah. yeah well it's been a pleasure spending time with you on this stage and on the show and just in general and I hope we continue to do it for a long long time um I'll be seeing you soon thank you very much from the bottom of my heart I appreciate it yeah and thank you
2: and thank, thank you, you to all of you
1: heavy yeah what I the journey I kind of went through listening to that whole thing for the first time was starting with fear Um, and you can hear it you can hear it in his voice it's still there but then what starts to emerge is the willpower the decision to not let fear become a gravity that just takes you but then on top of that the support the love getting to do what he loves my god it's um it's inspirational yeah it is Well, well well no you talked about it throughout the power of story and of course you know throughout that interview there was a lot about the 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 power of uh you know star trek stories and that's just that's just one of many infinite stories but the most important story is his so to sit down and tell his story like that it does it does what stories are supposed to do sharing you know your experience like that does what it's what we hope that it does it it reassures and lets us all know that there are an infinite number of ways to go through life of ways of dealing with tragedy and to see the, the, the bravery and the way he has processes all of this stuff in an almost in this sort of real time way of not denying any of it and just living every every feeling and every truth and every realization as it happens because there's, you know, a choice you have and a lot of people <laughs> try not to, right? <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's, I would, I would say it's inspirational. I would also say it's instructional.
0: The creativity of survival I've learned through, through Kenneth is not just about living through something with, cause let's be clear, this disease will take his life. Yeah. We know that. But how you survive mm-hmm. with what you have left, how you choose to, to keep going. There are other kinds of death. There is creative death. Mm-hmm. There is spiritual death. And Kenneth has conquered. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget <laughs> to the day I die, walking into that rave And realizing, oh, this isn't just Ken's rave. This is Ken's rave. (laughs) And then when we got him up on top of our hands to crowd surf, and I've never seen anyone in such, such ecstasy. (sighs) Just him staring into those lights, that that disco light array, and being lofted overhead. And then he just, he floated. well as produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and me, Anson Mount. Theme music by Jonathan Myberg. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. Special thanks to Kenneth Mitchell for taking the time to sit down with us. Thanks also to our fans who showed up for this special live recording. And thanks to you, at home, or jogging, or driving, or playing fetch with the dog, whatever you're doing, we appreciate you listening. If you like our show and don't mind taking a moment out of your day, we'd appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.